Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today our reading is going to come from Exodus, the 23rd chapter. God has begun a journey with the children of Israel after hundreds of years in bondage under the hand of the Egyptians. Why? Because at one particular point, a certain man went in Egypt as a slave and changed the history of that nation. He earned such favor and ranking spiritually that Pharaoh was only greater than him in the throne. Otherwise, there was no man greater than Joseph in Egypt, the exception of Pharaoh. So we see him transition through the challenges, the testations he goes through. Then he becomes governor of Egypt in a time where famine and heat as an interpretation of dream that God had given Pharaoh years before and Joseph being both the interpreter but also the man with the knowledge to execute the dream. God had given Pharaoh. That day on, the household of Joseph became prominent. Then we see him send for the rest of his family to come and join them from Canaan, to come and join them in Egypt. And over the years, because of the blessing that God had blessed on Israel, the scriptures tell us that the Israelites became greater, richer, and mightier than the Egyptians their own land than the Egyptians their own land. But the scriptures tell us then the Egyptians sat and started to think between each other if we let such a mighty people which are increased uh, fruitful, richer and stronger than we are continue to do this one day we'll get to a point when they have taken over Egypt. So what does Egypt do? They plan put the children of Israel in bondage. The Bible tells us it only happened because there arose a king which knew not Joseph nor his works. The glory that carried Israel in Egypt for all of those years was because of the anointing that was functioning in a man's life called Joseph. A time comes uh, when the covering of Joseph decimates when the mantle of Joseph can no longer preserve hundreds of years, because that's how God has designed life, that mantles are carried for a certain dispensation until the people are raised to a certain age or eon. When they are raised to a certain age or eon, the mantle on that man or that functioned through that man to preserve that generation might not be, or those generations might not be sufficient until God then has to raise another man to take that 
people to the next level. Let me help some of us understand what I mean. The economies of this world are not where they used to be years ago. The politics of this world, geopolitical systems of this world are not what they were 2,000 or 1,000 years ago. There is a law of momentum that picks through the ages of human times as we know them and it defines a certain progressive trajectory of a generation that comes after than the generation before. That is why the Bible says that the glory of the latter church shall be greater than the glory of the former. Well, that law does not only apply to the church, it applies to every other aspect in life. Technology 200 years ago is not technology now. See? The systems of governance 200 years ago might not be the systems. The laws 200 years ago might not be the laws uh, governing the world now. The administrative systems that used to run institutions a couple of years ago might not be the administrative systems running the world right now. The industries that were a success after the World War II, the Industrial Revolution, you know, coal, electricity, and many other things are not the industries that are the most successful. 2023. Things have shifted. Years have evolved. Narratives have turned. Now, we are in an age where uh, things have changed. Some of the greatest uh, inventions of the previous century are so obsolete now that our generation doesn't even have a clue how they worked because greater technologies have come. So is life. So is every aspect of life. There's a better version of humans now than the versions of years earlier. There's a wiser group of humans now than the humans before. Because we're exposed. We call it the age of information overload. The stuff that was so expensive for you to access years ago is just on your tablet or phone. You just need to Google and study quantum physics without going to school. You don't need to go to school to study science. I've seen people teaching themselves computer programming in their own room without a tutor. Why? Because the days have changed and the lot is available for us or to us. You can imagine how much information comes to a human being every day. That's not how it was years ago. Some of us who lived a bit longer, we even remember those days when the only television station in Uganda, which was UTV, used to go on at some point in the morning and go off at 10. Was it 10 p.m.? Aha. And then you had to wait until the next day when they switch it on again because they couldn't run television 24 hours. Now you not only have television sets with, with dishes with more than 800 channels, even have things on your phone, you know, YouTube videos and Netflix and many other things. So days have changed. Days have changed. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Like your life has changed. I've always emphasized this. Many other things in the world are changing. Some of you just do not know. So, like in the days of Joseph, the grace that was available on Joseph's life to preserve the Israelites, could preserve them for a certain time until the demands of a certain age, or eon, the Greek would call it eon, the demands of a certain age were not sufficient to compromise with the mantle that Joseph had. 
That is what it means when the Bible says that a king arose that knew not Joseph, nor his works. That means Israel, in its progress, never evolved in mantle. You get it? In its progress, it never evolved in mantle. Because you'll ask yourself the fundamental question. After Joseph, what man, what man carried anything equated to what Joseph carried in Egypt? And there was none. You see? Yet if you look at the stories of men like Elijah, when he ascends, there's an Elisha in that generation. When Elisha ascends, there should have been another fellow. But I think Gehazi loved money more than anything. The next fellow who comes in after the death of Gehazi, he carried no identity. So the man dies with a mantle. And one day, a dead soldier's body, your corpse is thrown on the bones of Elisha. And that man leaves. He is not receiving the mantle of Elisha. He just received from the mantle of Elisha. And from the death of Elisha, Israel went through a certain spell. Why? Because somebody did not carry that mantle. A generation then had to come later where God would raise another to preserve the posterity of that nation because every nation is preserved by certain mantles. Praise the Lord Jesus. So, back to what I was trying to tell us here. Yes, they got into bondage for many years and then God chose a mantle through a man called Moses. So he sent to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel from the hand of Pharaoh to which through plagues and many demonstrations of power, the parting of the sea, the children of Israel cross from Egypt into uh, the wilderness, through the wilderness, the promised land. Now they are on that journey in Exodus, and God is now teaching them how to become a nation. And there's something that I want to emphasize today. I taught something very close to it in a sermon about three years ago. That sermon was entitled, I think, The Law of Inheritance. You can check that out if you want to really connect deeper to what I want to share tonight. Because what I mentioned last in there is what really I feel I want to build on because the Lord impressed it on my heart. But there's a lot that I did not really unpack uh, in that sermon that I feel today extends in expression. And so if we skip to verses 27, now this is God speaking to the children of Israel, preparing them, you know, uh, to become a nation and the things that touch or the responsibilities that touch becoming a nation. In verses 27, he says, I will send my fear before thee, and I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. Verses 28 says, I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hevite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. Verses 29, I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate, and the beast of the field multiply against thee. By little and little, he says, I'll drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit land. There's something I want to emphasize there. He's saying that I'm going to send hornets before you. I'm going to put a power and fear on you. And I'm going to drive out the Hevite, the Canaanite, the Hittite. I'm going to clear land for you because you need land. But, he said, I'm not going to do it at once. That does not mean that I have not set boundaries for you and how far you will go. In fact, in verses 31, he says, I will set the bounds from Red Sea even unto the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert unto the river, for I'll deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and thou shalt drive them out before thee. In other words, God had already designed the boundary of how far Israel was to habitate 
and he says, I'm going to give you all of that land by my own power, put a certain strength and fear on your life and I will send hornets. I will use things, different things to make sure that I drive out these people from the land up till you consume the boundary that I have designed for you to occupy. But he said, I will not do it once. I will not do it in one year. Why? Because he says, the land will become desolate and the beast of the field will multiply against you. I want to build something there. I feel prompted by God to pray with somebody this evening concerning this text. How God says, and let me probably put it in simpler language with you, I'm going to give you this much expanse of property. Even though somebody owns that property, I've given it to you. Even though they still have a house in there and they live there, I've given you that expanse of property. I've given you that 50 acre land or that two square mile of land. I've given it to you for an inheritance. Because God can give you where other men are living, where men habitate. He's that God. That's who he is. You see, the Bible says, I'll give you vineyards you never planted, houses you never built. See, God can reallocate people and take a man from one place and get another one and put them in that same space regardless of how much that man has built on that land. God can switch territory. But God says, I've given you two square miles, three square miles for an inheritance. Yes, there are people who live there. Yes, there are tenants there. There are people who own great things there. They have properties, they have hotels, they have businesses, all manner of businesses. But I have given it to you. He says, but I'm not going to give it to you in one year. Does that mean he cannot give it to you in one year? He can but he's saying, I'm not going to give it to you in one year. If he says, I'm not going to give it to you in one month, does that mean God cannot give it to you in one month? He says, I can give it to you in one month. I can actually give it to you in the split of second. But he says, but I will not do it in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. You remember the time when we went through COVID? Many of us, we had lockdowns across the world in Europe, in Asia, and other parts of the world. And we watched in horror as wild animals started coming back to the streets, you remember? And then, you know, vegetation started breaking through the uh, tarmac roads and things started growing where you least expect them to grow. Why? Because again, there is a law that dictates how these creatures move and how things grow, even though you are conscious of that law or not. But it tells them, you know, I'm not going to give it to you immediately in one year. Or so what if I give that to you? I'm not a God who wastes. I'm not going to give you something as you would want it even though I desire it for you because of the relationship or covenant that I've built with you and how much I love you. I also must take in account how much you are able to tame, how much you are able to build, how much you are able to preserve, how much you're able to multiply, how much you're able to establish in that which I've given you. Are you following what I'm saying? So he says, if I give this to you in a year, you don't have enough brain to develop that land in a year. You don't have enough resources to develop that land in a year. You don't have enough technical skills. You don't have enough human resource. You don't have enough potential or skill or talent or experience or credence for you to take over what I've given you. So yes, it is yours. The boundary is already defined and in heaven, that is your allodio title as Israel, but I will not give it to you in one year. Are you following what I'm saying? 
then a man receives that. And two things, two things would happen. Why? One, either if this man does not understand the way of God, he might assume that his boundary was less of what God had given him or that he had God wrong when God defined that boundary because he might find that in whatever he's trying to do to take over that territory, there is a power that just won't let him go beyond that crown of influence. And so he might judge and say, you know what? Maybe it was not God's will for me to take over all of that territory. Maybe God had designed life for me to go this far and maybe out of my excitement, I only, you know, out of excitement, I created an imagination or a vision of what I assumed God was saying, yet he wasn't saying it. And then they settle for less. They just settle for less. Or we've also seen experiences with people who, when they start to teal, when they start to take over, they're simply slow in as much as how much they're trying to invest in whatever God has given them to take over the bigger pictures, the boundary God has designed, they seem to work slower than God would expect them in the timing he has given them to do that which has to be done. Unfortunately, some, if God had said, this you are to do in your lifetime, because people assume that because God has said, I will not give it to you in one year, he does not have a definitive plan on how long he expects you to have taken over certain things according to how much he has given you and how much he'll bring along your way to prepare you to take over the next. Are you following what I'm saying? But as of whether you're that first kind or the second kind, it stands to reason in this particular text that the Bible says in Corinthians that the Lord will not tempt you beyond that which you are able. He will not tempt you beyond that which you are able. Now, when we talk about this kind of temptation, when people think about it only from the realm of sickness and ease and poverty and luck, and because that's just one dimension of looking at it. But there's a dimension of ability that God here is defining in language and print according to how much he has given you, according to how much he has entrusted you with, according to how much he has designed your inheritance. And he says, there's something that has to do with you. And as far as I'm concerned, according to how fast or in line or consonance with how fast you are able to push certain boundaries, according to how committed you are in doing the things that must be done, in walking in the principles that you must walk in, for me to give you the full reward that I had already designed by boundary for you. I have seen people who go for prayer mountains and then start fasting because certain things are not moving as they ought and they feel limited. They feel like certain boundaries are drawn around them. Then frustrations come, red tape comes through individuals, through systems, through nations, through any other thing that you'd mention. And then they get this frustration and then they think, hmm, I think I need to pray. Father, expand. Father, enlarge this. Father, 
Why isn't this school growing, Father? Why isn't this ministry growing, Father? Why isn't my business growing, Father? Why isn't my career growing, Father? Why isn't this going? Why isn't this going? Oh, Father, we declare and we decree that it grows, it multiplies, it increases. And then you've confessed every positive thing you know how to. You've gone to everybody who can lay hands and prophesy on your life. You have spoken everything you know in the book to go. And God says, no, you can only go this far. Why? Because you are not yet ready to deal with the expense that I have given you. Or perhaps you have it in your spirit. You feel it in you that there's this potential that can do way so much. Way so much. But you just find that in life, there are these boundaries that are going to define how far you will go, how much you can stretch, how big you can build, how much you can occupy, and it just keeps coming and coming to you. And then some of you, because of frustrations of years upon years of trying to push certain things and they just don't move, some of you have settled. You have settled in the path of least resistance. Some huh? call it that. No? You've settled for less. You've settled for what you think is okay with you. You have settled with probably what is sufficient enough for you to move on. Because by the way, maybe the two... Uh, acres or the 10 acres that you've consumed over the two square miles God has given you. Perhaps in your family, nobody has ever even owned an inch. You are already a hero. I don't know who I'm talking to. You're already what? A hero. You go to your village like a celebrity. They hear you coming and they lay down what? Palm leaves. And then women and men stand on the road dancing because you've come to the village in your old Japanese car. Huh? You were the first one to have electricity on the village. You are the first one to come with a car on the village. Are you following? Some of you in your family, there was nothing like that. And then you look at that car and you're like, I have arrived. I have arrived. You even sometimes sing songs reminding yourself where you come from. And tears start rolling down your eyes saying, but I came from far. And see where heaven looks at you from. Heaven is like, wow. He's celebrating only three acres of land out of the expanse of two square miles given by heaven because he does not know. Because she does not know. Maybe carries no vision in full of what God has designed for them or they see it, but they have tried to move for so long and they have done in 10 years what they could have done or should have done in one year and they realize if I have to add another 10 years of my life trying to push these boundaries further I might not even consolidate enough so let me invest to integrate what I've already built to retain or sustain and preserve or undergird what I already have and that for me shall be comfortable for me to die maybe the next generation should take over and here's the problem maybe the generation to take over was supposed to begin its responsibility after the two square mile that God had given you. Maybe your children were to begin or to continue your work from the two square mile the Lord has given you, but then you're leaving them with this three acre land. It's not even enough for an inheritance. They're going to fight each other if all of them should inherit that same thing. And then different wars are going to come, not because these people that you're dealing with are bad, but because you never really understood how to grow as God has designed. 
maybe, just maybe, in the time you invest in prayer and fasting for God to expand this territory, what about you pray for the wisdom, for the grace, for the understanding? One, to know how to build what you already have the control over. But number two also, to know how to push the boundary further by wisdom. If you understand that kind of prayer, or if you have understood what I've said so far, so far, you realize one of the biggest problems of the New Testament believer. This is one of the biggest problems. Because the liberty that has been availed to us by Christ Many of us are just going to have a glimpse into or even just a little test this ocean of possibilities that God has given us by Christ. Because even that test is enough to stir a man's spirit with a certain joy, with a certain satisfaction that if, if without understanding of divine purpose, that satisfaction is enough to push you into comfort mode. For example, you were in a school once, and in that school, they set exams, and this particular individual was always the best. Was always the best. First in the class. Then one day, they were probably somewhere in a certain district, X. And then one day, their uncle from Kampala comes and says, this boy is too smart. Let's take them to Kampala, to better schools, so they can show them who we are. So they carry you, they take you to Kampala. You enter a certain school. Then you study that term, midterm exam. Out of 100 students, you're 92. No, no, he has just joined the school. He'll pick up. End term, you're 97. What's wrong? No, it's the first year. Let's give him another opportunity. Let's just promote him because, I mean, in the other years, the guy was working well. Next class. You go in the next class. First term, end of first, first term. 98 out of 100. Eh? What's wrong? Second term. You're reading so hard. You're tired of being last. This boy was clever. What happened? 96 out of 100. That term. Start waking up at 3 a.m. This kid starts to wake up at 3 a.m. to read. Eat in the benson. That time results. 100. What just happened? What just happened was, this man all his years, in the low quality school he was in, he was convinced he was smart. He was convinced. Perhaps he was more advantaged in the village than the rest. Maybe they had electricity and the rest of the children had candles. So they could not read in the evening. And for him, he would probably commit another 30 or 40 minutes of homework. Well, many other aspects that we might not be able to explain. Hypothetical story, by the way. So, that thing that slaps your head and wakes you up finally, that where you thought you were in Assuming that you were leading the pack, there was another bigger wolf in whose pack you're not even among the leaders. 
you're a gate man. Because you see, exposure is a very important thing. When you have the opportunity to go across the world and see things and study life and see how human beings are, it humbles you a bit. It humbles you a bit. You find a fellow who has never crossed these boundaries of Uganda, you know, and he's acting like he understands everything. You follow what I'm saying? And sometimes they don't need to be in Uganda. They can be in any country. One time I got to preach somewhere in New Jersey. It was a conference. And then this American girl comes to me. She was old. She was 30. So she comes to me. So she asks me, uh, so how is Africa? Africa is good. It's a good space. So she's like, so when you go in the church, do you, you know, gather the rod and cross with monkeys and elephants and zebras? And, when you go in the church, do you meet snakes like those giants and the condors? And do you guys have microwaves? I apologize to God because when she asked me, when you're walking, do you find elephants and zebras? And I said, yeah. What, what do you say? Honestly, what do you say? God forgive me. What do you say? I was so offended. Yeah. Yeah, we have. Yeah, elephants are crossing and anaconda sometimes. They help carry our stuff to the church. I mean, what, what do you answer? Do you guys have a microwave? Do you guys have microwaves? What do you mean do we have microwaves? So you don't need to be in Uganda to be a villager. Now, she was lost in the cornucopia of the American dream. And the delusion that comes with that to think that the rest of the world has access to nothing like America has. Do you know, many Americans think that way. Until they come and they realize they also have roads. Yeah, they have potholes, but we have roads. Until they come and realize too, we have education. We're educated too. We read and write and we speak English. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? I gave all of these examples to help us understand that sometimes you can be so delusioned in what you know and have and assume that that's all there is. Some of you, you have defined your destiny based on what you have seen. And you think that because you have not seen it, you don't believe it can exist. Because you've not heard about it, it cannot be anywhere. Because if it was somewhere, it had to be with you or you had to know it or you must have seen it or heard it. No, that's not how life is. That's not how life is. You assume that you see this much and tomorrow you meet a person who sees way farther than you think. And you're amazed at how God has created life. And that kind of delusion, I've realized, defines some complacency that I see with certain individuals who become comfortable with what they know while the rest of the world is moving on. While the rest of the world is moving. Why? Because you never designed your inheritance. You never designed the purpose of God on your life. There are principles that govern how fast you will go according to what God has alluded for you in portion. And thank God for the New Testament because when you see the lot of the New Testament, it's more defined in the liberties of the Spirit 
than it is of a definitive mark that God has designed for a man uh, to say, you know, this is how far you will go. In the Old Testament, that's how it was. That's how the narratives were. You have this given agenda with God and plan with God, and you cannot go beyond that. But in the New Testament, I have good news for you. The liberties of the Spirit have positioned us in places where if you understand the mind and heart of God, you can actually do way more, way, 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 way more than the original plan. Who has understood what I just said? You cannot live in a dispensation where God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. And anything in life is invented, innovated, of built, and you don't have a portion of it as touching the inheritance of God. Oh, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. No man in the Old Testament can claim that the divine power has given him all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us unto glory and virtue. No man in the Old Testament can claim this. No man in the Old Testament can say, I have everything that pertains to life. Because something had to take place for a man to have all of that power and liberty or provision on him. What took place? When he died at the cross at Calvary, Jesus Christ, you die with him. And when he's raised, he's raised from glory. And when he is raised from glory, you are raised with him and you become a born again creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, the Bible says, and all things are become new. And all things are of God, which has reconciled us to himself. Everything becomes new. You're nothing like the man before Christ. You're nothing like the prophets you read before Christ. You're nothing like them. Why? Because what used to come upon them now is the indwelling life of God through the Spirit. Jesus in you. This was the mystery that was hid from the edges past and now revealed Christ in us, the hope of glory. In what he would elude for acres, for square miles, of inheritance for Israel or any other man he had covenant with in the Old Testament dispensation as to the examples that I could give for you to understand according to how the world of men works. In the New Testament, he says, there is a liberty that if you understand me, can allow you to stretch as far as you are able to believe. But there is a standard and that standard is the scope of expectation that God has toward you because of how much has been given you. And God is not designing you to meet the standard. He has designed you to beat the standard. It's enough if you meet the standard, but he doesn't want you to meet the standard. He has designed you to beat the standard. And yet the Christianity we're defining now has not even yet started the first steps of understanding the standard. Are you following what I'm saying? Today you're talking of altars that are drying every other day, that we only have cheap talk, we can speak. We know how to motivate, we know how to stir men into the joy they desire to preserve them for the next two, three weeks or two days until they come back to church. But the power that changes things, we are not defining in the church. You can go to Europe right now and look for one man who can open a blind eye or deaf ear and find none. Let alone that now go in the churches there. You will find it so hard for them to even believe that God makes crippled men walk up, opens blind eyes. But yet, 
It began there. They taught us everything we know. Missionaries moved from there. Are you following what I'm saying? So it's easy for a generation to forget where they come from and the posterity, the spiritual histories that they have. But notwithstanding, how do you walk through a continent and fail to find one person who can open a blind eye? A deaf ear. Or cast a cancer, tumor off a person's body. Or maybe they're there, but there's a canopy that has hidden them. So, then what is the state of the church there as regards to power? When we talk about power, what power do they talk about? Does that power touch politics? No. Does it touch the economies of nations? No. What does it touch? Does it define policies? No. Does it define how their schools are run? No. Does it define how their hospitals are run? No. So, what has happened to our brothers and sisters there is they're returning back to a pagan world. They're going back to paganism. Yet the foundation of those shores was built on the gospel. And the gospel that had or came with some sort of power. Because if Jesus needed power to preach the gospel, you cannot preach a gospel that does not have power. If the Son of God needed it with everything He had, then I assure you all of us need a certain degree of power to walk on our lives as we proclaim this gospel. You might not be a preacher like I, but if you are a businessman, be so powerful. If you are a doctor in a hospital, be so powerful. If you are a teacher in a school, be so powerful. If you're a married woman at home, be so powerful. Let something come out of your spirit that shows the world that you did not just come on the earth to be a good employee, to be a good dreamer, a good innovator, a good husband and a good wife. You came to shake something. You came to leave something. You came to write history. You came to define a certain boundary. I've seen a generation that's going to push this thing so far that people in the coming years will ask, how did you even do it? Because it's not possible that you did this in weeks. It's not possible that you did this in years. Who am I talking to? Do you understand what I'm saying? How did you build this in these months? How did you build this in these years? Why? Because they will not see how possible it was for you to have that much power or influence in such a short time and be able to expand your crown or boundaries of influence that far in such a short time because in their time or their peers or whatever has been seen in narrative, they've never seen things move that fast, that great, that bigger, in such expanse, in such influence, in such power, in such influence. I came to pray with somebody. I came to pray with somebody who knows that more than ever before, it's not how far you're going to go, it's the wisdom in how to move faster. It's not how wide you're going to go. God is not intimidated by how far you're going. God is not intimidated in how far you're going to go. It's important to heaven that you understand that there is a liberty that God has given by Christ that can push you beyond anything I has ever seen ear has ever had. Isn't that what Paul says? He says, I has not seen 
no ear has heard, neither have entered into the heart of the man the things which God has prepared, prepared, prepared for them that love him. No, the things are ready. We are the ones who are not just ready, but the things are ready. The world is ready. Everything is positioning. It's fallen in pleasant places. God has put everything in the order it's supposed to go. Your days are owned by him and your steps are directed. Everything has been aligned. You might not know yet, but even that thing you fear to enter, God has already prepared it for you. That thing you think is so far, God has already prepared it for you. He has already planted enough for you to stand in that place of influence. He has already designed people here. Some of you, you don't even yet know. You're probably in university right now, first year. You're living on bare minimum. You don't even know what to do or how to eat tomorrow. You don't even know where you're going to pay tuition next month. But if I will look five or six years ahead, or maybe four or three, according to how you're able to connect to this, there are people right now who are planning, who are writing, who are adjusting, who are establishing, who are turning wheels, but they are turning all of those things for you. The Bible says, for we know that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I know you want to be this in 20 years, but I cannot give it to you in one year, meaning I can give it to you in one year. That's what God is saying. Are you following what I'm saying? He says, but I'm not going to give it to you in one week. Because you can't contain what you can do in one week. Meaning I can actually do it in you in one week. The question is, do you know the pattern that can build you in one week? Do you know the glory and anointing, the wisdom and principle that God has designed by this message to help you do in a week what others do in a year? To help you do in a year what others do in 10 years? To help you do in 10 years what people do in a century? To help you do in 20 years? What people might not be able to do even if they had four lives of opportunity to return back on the earth. I'm talking to a man on this ground who's going to do something that a man cannot do in a lifetime. That a normal man cannot do in two lifetimes. That a normal man cannot do in three lifetimes. That a normal man cannot do in four lifetimes. Albert Einstein, E equals MC squared. That simple equation, they say, has fully been understood after a hundred years of study. One equation like this has been understood and been studied, changed, turned. People have built things, invented things on just that equation for more than a hundred years. Now they can say they almost fully understand E equal MC squared. And yet they might have not yet even fully understood it. But at least now physicists and the rest tell you, at least we have understood this after a hundred years. Who is following what I'm saying? That means God can give you an idea. That your children can chew on for 200 years. <laughs> that in every realm your seed stands, a certain voice old speaks and says, because this is so-and-so's seed, it cannot lack because of what they did in 2023. Somebody shout! Do you understand what I'm saying? Joseph just interpreted one dream. 
and generations built wealth on a man's interpretation, on a man's grace and glory. Why wouldn't God do something through you that will affect generations to come? You think God cannot do something through you that will preserve your house for thousands of years if Christ is not yet back? Oh my goodness, he can, he can. If he says I cannot do it in one year, it means I can do it in one year. It means I can do it in seconds. I can do it in weeks. I can do it in months. It's possible. Some of you are entering things. Now I'm prophesying. You're entering days which are not far from now. Where God is going to do such a mighty work through you. That's going to define such a grace on your life that it shall not be enough for your next 10, 20 generations to finish. Come on, clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. David did something. Listen to this. David did something with God. Connected with a secret. I may not have time to explain this. But David connected with a secret one day. And the Bible tells us, God made a covenant with him and told him, I have given you the power to rule the realms of men through a covenant of salt. And he told David, I have not only given this to you, I have given it to you and your son's children's children. Second Chronicles 13 verses 5. He says, Ought ye not to know that the Lord God gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt? He gave the kingdom over Israel. The kingdom over Israel. Not of Israel, over Israel. To David and his sons forever through a covenant of salt. There's something David did with God. And the covenant was made between David and God. And anything that should come out of David, you might not know it, you might not be able to locate it, but anything that extends from the lineage of David, heaven marks it and remembers that covenant. Wherever they are, they might be with black color, they might be with white color, they might be short, they might be tall, they might be with Asian eyes, they might be with, you know, Congolese height, but whatever they are, if there is a line that connects them to David, there's a scepter in their hands. There's a certain power on them. They might not even go to check, check their DNA because how far do you check to know your David descendant? But anything that is connected to David has a certain promise on it. Every seed that comes out of that lineage, it doesn't matter whether it's 20,000 years to come if Christ is not yet back. Heaven has designed a system that follows every seed of David to make sure that it deals with them good, to establish them and position them in certain spaces in life because he made that covenant with David. So he tells you, I give you the power to make wealth and I may establish the covenant that I made with your forefathers. Some of you, the blessing on your life might be as a result of a certain man, God promised something before you were even born. Now let God do that with you now. 
such that one day your child will walk the streets of Minnesota, walk through Ghana or Nigeria, or that one day they'll be walking through Kinshasa, and heaven will remember that is a seed of so and so, and I cannot let it die under a scorching heat. I cannot let it die under the cold. I cannot let it eat like a pig. I cannot allow it to die under the diseases that kill this world. Why? Because that man one day, he was in a certain meeting praying and there are certain things that I and him connected with him because he connected to a liberty by truth and made a certain prayer that evoked heaven to deal kindly with his seed. It is possible. It is possible. It is possible. My grandfather was a servant of God. There are things that he spoke into my mother's lives and their siblings that we had to be men of God. We had to. Do you understand what I'm saying? In my father's house, I'm telling you this is the truth before God. Even people who are not ministers, they're anointed. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have siblings who are prophetic. You can sit down with you and they can prophesy on your life. They are not preachers or pastors, but there's something on us that is so old. When we open our eyes like this spiritually, we see. It's older than us. It's their grandchildren too, we see it. The way they live, it's different. Why? Because God made a certain covenant with a certain person. Now, in our generation too, there are principles we must sow because my child has to be a certain version. Oh my goodness. Put your hand on your head and say, I will not lose my child. If you won't see it in this life, at least let God propel you into some sort of prayer to ensure that your child will see if you didn't see it. But in your line, there has to be something that will come out one day that will prove that through this line, there must have been a woman who knew God. Through this line, there must have been a man who knew God. Through this line, there must have been somebody who tarried before an altar years ago. I see something in this young man or young woman that is many years old. It's ancient oil. It has been passed on. It's not taught. It's in a figure transferred as Paul transferred to Apollos. But it's on this man. Paul said to Timothy, I see the faith which firstly dwelt in your grandmother Lois. And I saw it enter your mother Eunice. And I see that thing now has also entered you, Timothy. Timothy would wake up and he believes a certain way, not because he knows how to believe, but because there's something that shifted and entered this generation through DNA. And this one doesn't need a man's seed because this came through women. Because in Christ there is neither Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave or free. Are you following what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So the prayer I want to make with you now is older than you. It's going to work beyond your age. Even though it will do something to define you in your generation, it's going to do beyond your generation. Get ready. I will not take you far because the beasts will take over. But if you know how to do this, if you know how to establish if you know how to be prepared, if you know how to be aligned, I am ready to take you far. I'm even ready to give it to you in one year. God can quicken you. 
I'm talking to people who have lost a lot. You can look at your story and realize I've lost many years. I've lost much at time. I've lost resources. I've lost so much. And it only takes God to help me, take me back and rebuild me right. Well, if he rebuilds you, he's not going to build you back according to the same time of things. He has to adjust the timing where with the thing that came in 10 years has to come in two weeks. I don't know who I'm prophesying to. Somebody on this ground, and I don't know who God sent me to, who has lost so much, but he brings a message through me to tell you, I want to build or establish a principle in your spirit that in rebuilding you, I'm going to make sure that what took you five years, it will take you one week. And somebody one day is going to reach a place, or a position in life, where people will look at you and you will look as if you never lost. Because you're going to run faster than those who never lost. <laughs> Am I communicating to somebody? You're going to build faster than those who have never experienced loss. Why? Because they will be building generically on the predictable narratives. And you are going to be building on a higher plane. Covenant. Higher plane. Revelation. Are you following me? What I'm trying to say, if it is wisdom you need, if it is grace you need, if it is instruction you need, if it is command you need, if whatever nudge that is necessary in the spirit, this is what I'm going to pray for you this evening. To say, God, whatever is necessary, move me to do much. Move me to redeem time. Are you following what I'm saying? And when that is done then, Consequently, there will be a definitive effect on the seed after me. Whether it will be biological or spiritual. But there will be an effect on those that come after you. Why? Because your greatest achievement will become the starting point and standard for them. Who has understood what I just said? See, we are celebrating and saying, look at how many people are meeting in a weekly service. But a time will come where our sons, sons will sit millions and millions of people in one service physically. Why? Because we contributed a certain part in that generation. There's a man, there might not be three, there might not be four, it might even be one. But there's somebody on this ground you're the very reason why the Lord told me to emphasize this text. Because it came instructed to emphasize it. Some of you feel so delayed that except God comes through. You are once 30, you had told yourself at 25 you'd be somewhere, now you've entered 40, now you've entered 50, now you've entered 60. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Let God do something in these coming three years that will satisfy you to a place where you'll say, God, you have healed me. There are things only God can do to heal you. There are things only God can do to heal you. One time, I said this story once. I'll share it with you. I remember one time I tried to follow through the process of getting us a national television. I think I went to the wrong people. One year, one year and a half, two years, I'm trying to get a license. And then during that time, I was working with the same television station. And then there's a way I was treated as though I was being taken advantage of. 
because they knew I didn't know where to go. And I remember one day, it was a Tuesday. They sent me a letter telling me, we're not going to air your programs on a Thursday. Just two days. These are people I had a good relationship with. There was no reason. There was the assumption that he has no choice. You'll have to budge to our issue. I remember I went to God and I said, Father, do something to heal me. Just do something to heal me. I kid you not, in one week, somebody walks into the office and asks me, why don't you have a license? I said, I tried and I couldn't get it. So me, give me your documents. In one month, Manifest Television was on air. <laughs> Shake somebody and tell that's the God of Apostle Grace. I'm telling you, some of you have been looking for things for five years, but after this prayer, after this prayer, let God do something that's going to wake up some people, that's going to make some people lose peace, that's going to make some people lose appetite, just to fulfill what God has placed on your life. Because there was a time in our nation, people our age wouldn't run a television station. Lo and behold. Are you following what I'm saying? Exceedingly, abundantly above that which you dare to ask or think. Surprise us, God. I'm ready to be surprised. No, I'm talking to myself and about myself. God, I am ready to be surprised. Surprise me this week. Surprise me this month before it ends. Surprise me this year. Do something that I don't have a natural speed for, a natural credential for, a natural ability for, a natural skill for, a natural potential for. Do something that in the eyes of men cannot qualify me because you are God. If it has to begin with a principle, Build that principle in me. Whatever it takes, some of us are too broken and dead for God to do anything. Whatever it takes, God do it. In the mighty name of Jesus. So as you raise your hands, allow me to pray for you. One. There are people here who have never had the revelation of the liberty that is available to us by God. So they've never expressed themselves in that liberty to push their faith to sail in places no man has ever been before. Today comes both the instruction, the grace, the power, and the anointing to push you to sail on shores men have never sailed before. That's an anointing. Receive it now. Receive it now. There are people here who have been wanting in principle, pattern, or way to do things because they didn't carry the wisdom of it. But I pray to God in the name of Jesus that whether it's going to come by a dream in the night, whether it's going to come on a meditation in your room as you're sitting somewhere, as of whether it's going to come through some text as you're reading or a video that you're going to be watching, may some sort of wisdom, whether it's impartational, may some sort of wisdom rest upon you to connect to all God has designed for an inheritance on your life. I'm praying for people here who feel they've been delayed in many ways. 
But every time they look into themselves, they feel like there's this seed of greatness. There's this potential that has failed to explode out. And they walk daily in some frustration, some depression, some stress of sort. They don't have a language for it, but all they hear is, I don't feel I'm where I should be. I have come to pray for you in the name of Jesus, that may God move you this evening. Let me pray for the weather to agree with you in the days to come for the seasons to agree with you in the days to come for the economies to agree with you in the days to come for the geopolitical systems of the world to agree with you let me decree and declare that right now certain men are going to pick up visions in the spirit they're going to pick up ideas in the spirit and those are the ideas of providing for your dream those are the ideas that will elevate you those are the ideas that will promote you those are the ideas that will push you to the next place that will take you forward. Let me decree and declare that may certain ideas come out in your government that are there creating a vacuum that only you can feel. May certain problems happen in the earth and God make you a solution for his glory. If you're a doctor, may God give you a cure of something that has not been cured before. Whatever it takes, He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which you dare to ask or think. I want to believe with every man and woman at the sound of my voice this evening that something deep core in your spirit has moved to the next level of function. And that means that you're going to do in weeks what men do in years. You're going to do in months what men do in decades. You're going to do in minutes what take 20 years to do. I don't know how it's going to work, but this is what I know. Whether it's going to be a project to come on your door, whether it's going to be a contract to look for you, whether it's going to be something, whether it's going to be an individual you're going to meet after this service, but something is going to be positioned this coming week, this coming month, this very year at most, that is going to elevate you. And in a few years to come, men will look at you truly as the Bible says, and they shall say, you are a wonder. There are people here who are going to do things we have never seen done by a Ugandan. Oh, let me take it to the next level. There are people here who are going to do things that we have never seen on an African. There are people here who are going to do things that we have never seen through a woman. Receive it. There are people here who are going to do things that we have never seen through the systems that we are working under. Whatever it takes, God, we are ready. God, we are ready. Give him a mighty hand of praise. Ah, 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 ah. say father I receive it all it is for me in the name of Jesus I go upward and forward I cannot fail I will not struggle whatever it takes start doing it whatever it takes Lord do it in me but I shouldn't get in a place where you limit how far I should go because of my inefficiencies my ignorances in your word. Today I connect to the grace that will bring all the knowledge necessary for me to advance and the people that I need. They're going to come your way. You'll find them in bus stops. 
you'll find them on the plane. You're going to meet them on a restaurant. You're going to meet those destiny helpers in places you least expect. From today, expect crazy, crazy encounters that are going to speed you up. I say it from today, expect encounters that are going to speed you up to the glory of God. Clap your hands to Jesus. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're sick in your body, I decree you are healed. I only need to say this. If you're sick in your body, you're healed. If you're struggling with any form of disease, kidneys heal in the name of Jesus. Uh, throat issues heal. Headaches heal. Feet heal. Somebody with eye issues, they're healing right now in the mighty name of Jesus. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to come right now and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. You need to enter a better covenant. You need to come in covenant with God because it's not possible to live a successful life without God. So I want to give an opportunity to those of you who are here who say, you know what? I feel I want to build a relationship with this God you're talking about. Wherever you are, just repeat these simple words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you taught me today. I have believed that you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you in my heart as Lord and Savior of my life. I know you will change me. I know you'll transform me. You will heal me. You will deliver me. I'll progress. I win. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.